Hello, and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Gabe, I have a question for you. Last, yeah, go ahead. last night, I went to a dog birthday party, and I think that may be the, white, <laughs> the whitest thing that anyone has ever done. I'm, I'm curious if, you, if you've heard something worse than that, because that, that, might be, that might top the list right there. I have to say, not only have I been to a dog birthday party, I've thrown... <laughs> multiple dog well, birthday parties from my dog so um yeah that's 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 me and my wife that's how we do it i'm trying to think of something like no man like i think that is that is about as like yuppie millennial yeah uh, as it gets, I think it was a great excuse <laughs> to, to get some friends together and drink for sure. I guess the only no thing that could have made it worse is having like a gender reveal party on top of it. So <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get to that level. We're good. We're good. As a gender reveal party haver uh, as well. I may or may have not known that. So I thought this it cold there. open was just call out game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we had. I don't know if this happened before we recorded or like right when we were recording last week, but there was like this D-Day for Louisville restaurants. It's like a D-Day month for Louisville yes. restaurants. It was like a week, a death week. Yeah. Well, I've seen people talk. I guess this happens like pretty frequently now. It happened last year, I guess, to a few restaurants. It seems to be a thing that's happening. So... Butchertown Pizza is closing. Um, right. A lot of people are very heartbroken about that. Um, me, not as much. That's just my personal opinion. Um, is what it is. Um, Cafe Mimosa, which to me seems like it's been synonymous with Barstown Road for quite a while. I was thinking about this today. It's been there for a really long time. Very long time. Um, very long time. Since I moved here, I feel like it would, like that was yeah. late 90s. So those those both closed the same day, uh, or the same day, rather. And... I, I don't know, man. I was just curious if you, like, is there anything, any reason why you think, like, restaurants just close? Like, this happens? Like, because I, I think about how Heine Coffee has literally became, like, the Starbucks of Louisville. Um, there's a few other places. I know Biscuit Belly, um, they're opening their third location. There's just yeah, some places I, that seem to have some success. And I, maybe it's just like, you know, the food's good, the food sucks, and or, or whatever, something like that. But it seems like it happens a lot in Louisville. Like, at, like a three or four restaurants will close down on, like, the, a very short time frame. And I was curious if you had any thoughts about anything about that. Yeah, it's like almost like one of those things is like – not to equate the death of a restaurant to a death of someone you know, but it's like those <laughs> things come in threes, it feels yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, yeah, the, the you know, uh, Butchertown Pizza, Morals, and Cafe Mosa all happened. And they kind of like, they kind of were kind of stalwarts for some people. I mean, it, it, yeah, it is Butchertown Pizza. We can get into that another, yeah. another time yeah. with our pizza rankings. But um, no, it's it definitely is something that happens a decent amount and then you mentioned biscuit belly because i thought it was interesting to hear them talk about how they're opening three locations soon and and then also i saw an interview with the guy who runs uh who runs royals and feast barbecue and barvetti and they kind of asked him like straight up like hey like there's been quite a few restaurants that have you know, closed. Do you think like something's happening to the restaurant scene? It's like, no, I think it's very healthy. It's like, I think the best food and the, like good locations and good branding and marketing always wins out. And I do want to say, I think marketing is like something I always feel like sets things apart. Not, and this sounds to, to hang, to continue with our yuppie theme, like, <laughs> like, Biscuit Belly is incredibly Instagrammable. Yeah, please and thank you the, the same way. Who's incredibly who's Instagrammable. Yeah. I think Heine's just kind of been like a, a, a stalwart. But I always talk to people when I talk about Biscuit Belly, I talk about Bougie Biscuit. Have you heard yeah. of Bougie Biscuit? Yeah, on Frankfurt Avenue. It's right down the street. On Frankfurt Avenue. So that place opened, I think, like six months before Biscuit Belly opened. I've not gotten to have Biscuit Belly. I've, I've had Good. both, and I would take... I mean, I see where you're going with this, and I agree with you. I would actually take Biscuit Belly over um, – all this talk about biscuits, man. I'm hungry. I know, uh, man. I'm I, hungry. I, I, I would take the, the place on Frankfurt Avenue. I'm drawing Blake now that we just said oh, – actually, over Biscuit Bougie Belly. Biscuit but, is the one, bougie Biscuit's the one But it kind of doesn't matter because I guess what you're going to say is that the marketing has just been lacking. So you The know? marketing is there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Biscuit Belly, they've got that real nice like image on – You know, it's it's very Instagrammable. Mm-hmm. It's just a place – I, I've not been inside, but I I know the inside of the restaurant yeah. because 
because I've seen so many Instagrams and I've literally never been because every time I walk by, there's a line out front yeah, and I is, don't want to wait. <laughs> like not to extend the conversation like to, to too deep, but that was weird to me about Morels that went out of business. So they were really like, you know, the social media game for them was, was really great. Yeah, and I feel like they had a lot of like advocates like yeah. morales had a ton of people who were just oh you got to go to we got to go to morales that place is dope yeah i wonder if that was like an ingredients thing for them no, you know I like mean, it, it feels like their food was more expensive to make it seems to seems to me that there's a they're going to be moving to like the catering business so they're still going to be around yeah. i know they're going so to be a big part of the logan treat market that's opening up um, and, next weekend yeah. yeah yeah and they'll be in some other establishments like rainbow blossom and stuff around town but yeah it, it was that was a kind of surprise for me but to bring it back to to the cafe mimosa that like th- that building I, I just prime real estate yeah, Chris. Yeah, right i i won't tell people on the podcast exactly where i live but i live very close to that building so i see mm-hmm. it every day um when i you know when i drive to work or on my daily commute so i'm curious if you had for the, the the first thing that came into my mind and this is kind of the uh uh, the the dark Chris was just, just let's just put a concert hall there so I I can hear people complain all the time like they did for Louder of the Life let's just have that in the prime spot on Barstown Road that would be hey, fantastic Chris, there were fewer complaints for Louder of Life than there were for Bourbon uh, and Beyond which is fantastic hashtag actually. analytics yeah right I love that article I saw but no do you, do you have any idea of what could go there I don't know I don't think it has to be a restaurant. I don't think it has to be a restaurant either. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of store. I was like think I was trying to think of what kind of store. I don't want to like I like let I'll let the listeners in on a secret. But like if I could start a business, I don't think this would fit there. If I could start a business in Louisville tomorrow, it would be a shuffleboard bar. Because <laughs> oh, I think that's like the next pretentious slash hipster thing to yeah. to go big. And that's I'm just trying to to cash in and cash out and bro down. It's not a bad so, idea. <laughs> I don't think that would fit there. No, uh, no one take that idea. And if you do, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, some type of art, art studio or like I was like yeah, I was going to say some kind of. Not that we need enough for like gifts shop. Yeah. I feel like we have a lot of gifts stores. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And they're good. They're cool. Like Revelry's really cool. Regalo's really cool. Um, Paper Horse also. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I wonder if something like that would go there. I don't know something. I feel like I put a lot maybe more. like a pre, you know like those like a you you were you inspired me with your music hall type thing but like what if someone who like did like prints kind of just sold their prints there that'd be cool yeah yeah I mean like it, like it, band posters things like that that would be a cool spot for that I think any type of like like creative outlet for stuff like that would yeah. be great um and I like with it it'll probably just become another CBD bar um because <laughs> or a or a smoke shop yeah yeah and, and we can continue seeing articles written in the Leo about the death of the Highlands so that that would further that narrative but um <laughs> shout out to whoever gets it you know I think that you're right that's a great that that area has not that it's prime location yeah yeah it hasn't been free for a while um I don't know. Last thing we can get to, if you want to mention it, since we're on this restaurant theme, we can just yeah. Keep it this, let's let's just let's let's get off. Yeah. So there was, uh, it, it was in business first. They asked Yelp to give them the city's best bourbon bar, bars, and uh, the list is not good, Chris. The list and is I, bad, Gabe. The list is bad, <laughs> not good. And I, I I don't have a problem with some of these places. I have a problem with them being listed as bourbon bars <laughs> more than anything. Uh, and I think that's kind of an operative of the way that Yelp does their business because uh, sometimes they'll have things listed as like oh here's a great place for a group that's like not yeah. um, so I won't I, I, I mean some some places that shouldn't be on here that are Muscle and Burger Bar Wow uh, <laughs> Butcher Town on there good Silver Dollars Group but number one is Sidebar which I like Sidebar it's a good spot to get a drink before the basketball games it's not the but best bourbon it, bar in Louisville but uh, it's not the best bourbon bar in the city I mean like Bourbon Bistro is on here and Silver Dollar is on here Silver Dollar I, I'm a Silver Dollar head even yeah. though I know that's there's there's some there's some controversy there I feel like yeah. I feel like some people don't like Silver Dollar uh, Rec Bar is also on this list and Dish on Market which I don't I think I've like walked into Dish on Market like once and it was for lunch 
when I work downtown. It Greg always Park gets a mention sure, no. on any list that's going to involve restaurants. You're going to see Dish on Market on it, and I really don't get it. I think it's an SEO thing, man. Yeah. Like they've just got the SEO <laughs> out the wazoo. But like no Equus on here, mm-hmm. Jack's Lounge, classic spot. Uh, they've got. I mean, what, I mean, if you want to down one, which is right across the street. Yeah, that's from, kind of that's kind of the one I was thinking. If you wanted to put a downtown one in there, why wouldn't you? That, that to me would seem a lot more logical sense. Um, I mean, obviously, like the, the the situation there is so clouded, and I would never really support it again for a lot of reasons. Oh, I know what you're about to say. Yeah. Um, but that place, um, it, it, yeah. it's still surprising. If they, when, if they were to happen to go under new management, I would definitely put them on yeah, the, yeah, the top yeah. 10. Whoa. We're talking about uh, – I actually just lost the name of the bar. But. The Haymarket? Whiskey Bar? Haymarket. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't go there. But, yeah. Don't, uh, don't, one, don't support one it, but it was surprisingly I, – like I, I was kind of surprised it wasn't on the list. But, yeah, I would have to think long and hard to like come up with the actual best bourbon bar in Louisville. And maybe we can discuss it at some point. But I know damn well it's not Sad Bar. It's not Sad <laughs> Sidebar, so yelp, get your facts straight. Calling you out. Uh, and let's go ahead and get into the show, Chris. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. Not a whole lot of sports things to talk about. Well, I, there are a lot of sports things to talk about, Chris. But I think that we 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 would be remiss if we did not start with something that's a little more national in, spo- in, 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 in kind of scope. And that is the movement that is started by California uh, to institute fair play bills, um, an opportunity for college athletes to regain their name, image, uh, rights, and uh, so California passed this bill. It was signed at the beginning of this week. It will go into effect. I think it's a 2023. I think if, yeah, if I recall correctly. It's either 2022 or 2023. It is the year that LeBron James Jr. becomes eligible to play in college, which to me is all types of hilarity. That um, That is – I didn't even like put those together. Yeah. But we wanted to talk about it this issue you know both nationally but also locally uh matt jones reported on his show i think today that um a kentucky legislator was moving to create a comparable bill to this to the fair to play to fair pay to play bill in california uh, I, I don't think that this article has been updated but my understanding is it's uh um, what's what's McMurray? The name escapes me too. I I remember it, that he was a Democrat, um, and he was a Louisville Democrat. Democrat. I don't think he represented Louisville, but he was from Louisville. Um, no, I, he is. He is a Louisville. Oh, it's like McMurphy. Yeah. The the name. I heard the name in passing a, a few days ago, or I guess when the news came in. I guess it was today. Um, wow. But it, it, it's escaping. I'm looking me. it up. Yeah. This is very embarrassing. It's say you can you can look it up. It's fine. Um, I, I know some people will comment and and talk about. Just hearing the click, so we'll we'll, we'll let him hear it. <laughs> We're gonna have to edit this out. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> He's the Senate Minority Leader. That's why I'm like I'm I'm getting mad at myself. Yeah. Morgan McGarvey. Oh, that's not the name I was thinking of. That is a no. It's no, that's so. A my understanding is, is it's Morgan McGarvey. I'm not sure if that's been confirmed. Yeah, but that was what I saw on Twitter. No, I don't I, have that 100. percent I heard that in a very like loose passing. So we'll go with that. Um, so we'll go with that. So we'll start. So so just kind of the facts for if you've li- been living under a rock and you're not quite 100 percent sure of what we're talking about. So. Uh, this California bill, as I mentioned, gives the name and image rights back to college athletes. So this isn't saying that they can be paid by schools. But, for example, let's just use Louisville basketball for an example. Jordan Mora can sign a deal with Oxmoor, Ford, and Toyota right. and become their spokesman and use his likeness, name, image, and likeness, NIL. Uh, to to advertise them basically become an influencer is I think it, what what I've seen that kind of best explains it. Yeah, uh, I think it allows that is them to kind of use their 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 star potential and 
sell themselves uh both i mean it could be with a national brand but locally that's how it would work in most situations i think um uh so chris how hilarious is this um it seems like this is honestly becoming a bipartisan issue. I was just seeing uh, the, some congressman from Florida, Matt Gates, who's incredibly far right wing. And then you have California, which is about as left wing as, as it gets for a state uh, coming together to, to kind of offer this. How no, hilarious like is the- it that the one time Kentucky is going to be progressive? <laughs> it's almost 100 percent because Kentucky basketball recruiting is has to stay on the front lines oh my, of I, offering I, students the best. It, it seems like the obvious take, but it's so funny. Like this story also, the, like the way it's kind of just came on the surface and, and it, it, like nationalized itself so quickly has been kind of, I don't know that it was unexpected to me, but I, I don't know that I saw it becoming as much of a talking point as it, as it, as it's it has been. It's happened so quick. It, it's it's happened it seemed to quick. like be one of those things where it was mentioned in California. There was like a day of people taking it in and then everywhere. You have Florida saying that they're they're looking at this as a possibility. Florida saying that they want to pass something yeah. for, for implementation in 2020. Yeah. We're not yeah. even just talking about four or five years away anymore. We're talking about immediate laws. Texas, Ohio, those are others that yeah. I've heard. I mean, I, I don't want to... At, at this point, I, I've seen like people on it all week on Twitter getting their arguments about paying players. And like, I get why people are doing it. It's a great talking point. It's something that you can, you know, spend some time on and, and have people as guests on, a, a, on a talk like, show. It's like, not a low stakes argument, but it's an e like, it's a low stakes, like to invest in argument. Yeah. Like everyone has a take on this. I'm just so tired of like the, the argument because at this point I feel like <laughs> it's inevitable. Like it, you can be, you can say you don't want payers played in some respect or whatever, but it's going to happen. So, you know, know you, you might as well adjust and, and talk about the way it should look or the way we can do things the right way rather than saying it shouldn't happen at all but uh, to your point about you know Kentucky deciding to be progressive on something like this is absolutely hilarious oh my I mean it, it's absolutely hilarious which is why I would love to see like like Matt Bevan or, or someone of that of like that get pushed on this and and kind of have to I would be, be forced to make some if comments. There's not a question about yeah. it in, in one of these debates that's coming up. I would be I'd be absolutely floored. I think it's, I think any person would doing their due diligence has to ask about it. I mean, if I'm Matt Bevan, I would jump in front of this and say how supportive yeah. I am. I think that would be a great opportunity for him to lead the charge of something that a lot of people seem to be in favor with. Um, he doesn't have many of those talking points that a lot of people are in favor with, so I think this would be an opportunity with uh, for him. But, yeah, man. To me, like, the way the storyline has just... It's just gone so quickly, and and every day there's something new. Every, um, you know, now that we're starting to get into these media days for basketball coaches, you're getting a lot of guys come out. I saw uh, Richard Pitino, like was yeah. like strangely was one of the loudest voices in support of it. Yeah. Um, we can switch a little bit to what, how the NCAA's responded, which has been very poorly, yeah. <laughs> and you're getting these league commissioners being very, uh, very regressive with how they've talked about it. But Chris, what is your, what do you think? I mean, I think this immediate, immediately, it does seem like the NCAA has kind of taken the stance of, well, we have to protect our quote unquote amateurism. Right. You know, this, that's the, that's the protecting the shield for them. Right. That's, that's what they're going to go out of their way to do. But I feel like push is going to come to shove. Do you think the NCAA is going to get behind us or, I mean, I, I mean they're going to have to. I truly think that either one or two things are going to happen. I, I really don't know how much I buy into schools breaking away and becoming like their own you know, conference or, or however you want to view it, league yeah. or, or something like that. I'm not sure how realistic that is. Um, I, I know that's always a talking point. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But you compound this with the NCAA saying, or not the NCAA saying, but people around the NCAA saying that they, they may give blue blood programs such as Kansas multiple, multiple postseason bans. You compound this with the one and done rule. 
no longer going exist. Away. Yeah, going away and not having some of the Zion Williamson's in college basketball to watch. And you just add this to to schools maybe saying, you know, since they're not going to follow our amateurism rules, we're not going to let them play in the NCAA tournament. You do all three of those things, and they're going to continue to alienate their product more and more and more until people are not watching it. And so there has to be some type of shift or these schools are going to – I think that there can conceivably be a point to where we get and say that the players going to these schools don't really care about playing in the NCAA tournament because they're on a stage – it's a stage that's good enough for them to, you know, promote their brand, promote themselves as a player, and it doesn't matter if they're in the NCAA tournament or not. They can make some money while they're in in college for the year or the two years that they're in it. Well, I guess it would be two years after the one and done rule, um, and, and, and go from there. I, I truly, uh, we're in such an age of of player empowerment, and I think that's largely, for most cases, a good thing, that that's bound to spread to, to the younger generation. And, and I think we can get to that point to where these 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 college kids say, you know, I don't need to go to the NCAA tournament. I can make some money for two years, and I can promote my brand and go to the NBA draft and be just fine. So I that's, that's my biggest concern is I don't think people outside of this state realize on a national scale how small college basketball is throughout most of the regular season until we get to the NCAA tournament. And I think you're going to continue alienating that product with all these things. You, you, There needs to be, as you said, there needs to be a visionary. There needs to be someone to talk about this in a fresh and new way instead of just constantly presenting problems because it's changing whether they like it or not. Right. Right. No, I, I think those are all interesting points. And I I, I don't know. I, 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 I get the feeling, especially at this point, now that hands are hands are being pushed. And, 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 you know, it seems like by hook or by crook at this point that California and I mean, man, if Florida, California, Texas and Ohio. If these are, and these are in, national. Like, these are big brands. These are big states that have big. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. If these if these places can. I mean, I, the only way I see the kind of the momentum being stopped if these places go forward is legal challenges, which I don't think I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't see I don't see a conservative judge going against free market principles. <laughs> to, and I don't see a, a, a liberal judge going against kind of the, the player empowerment movement. You yeah. know, so I don't see those things happening. I think it's just going to be push comes to shove. The NCAA has to protect themselves. They can either keep this semblance of an organization together that they can make their $2 billion a year on the NCAA tournament. And okay, now kids can be, now kids can accept money from local, you know, car dealerships or they fail in some way, shape or form. Because yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know what I mean, that means. If you were- I, I, Go ahead, go ahead. I, just to say, if you want to have serious discussions about, you know, um, the issues that this presents and the way to best avoid them and the unattended consequences, as uh, some, you know, objectives have brought up that phrase a lot, I've heard, <laughs> um, you, can, you should have those conversations, but you have to get to a place where you can at least accept that things are changing so we can talk about these things and move forward. We haven't got to that point yet, and that's that's so disheartening. Yeah, that's that's that. If there is one thing about the discourse that bothers me, it's that. I mean, not to you know, you got people, you got people like Tim Tebow out there, you know, talking about how their experience would have been ruined by this type of rule. Like, dude, Tim Tebow, you had like a one in a million experience, mm-hmm. and and you were able to turn what you did at Florida into a complete different brand and lifestyle, and I. I I don't know. I, I'm I'm inclined to believe that that this would be beneficial. This type of rule would be beneficial for students, you know, who may not necessarily have a 15 year career in the NBA or the NFL right. ahead of them. But they may be able to market themselves and learn about business and learn about things like that. I don't I don't know. I I, I don't want to go individually into the you know into some of those arguments because it's easy to get bogged down. But no, I mean the 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 one like solid objection that I've heard from a few people that is a little bit new is that if you want a free market you need to have a free market for all things and that includes all sports 
Which is fine. I mean, that's that's a legitimate argument, and you know we can discuss those things. I mean, the argument I hear is that if it's a true free market, it's going to work best when it's a full free market. And yeah, not an economist, but yeah, that that makes some sense, and that's that's a solid objection, um, and, and that's something that that can be discussed down the line. Um, yeah, but but the discourse that's happening on a regular basis is is not in that in that mode. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it does feel like we're just at the beginning of it. But if Kentucky gets involved, if you know, if you get a dozen states involved, like what is what is the NCAA going to do? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not even, I'm not even sure. Um, people. Next up, Chris, we want to talk about this Tark story, right? <laughs> yeah, we can hit on it briefly. It's no, just, I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know. We, we've talked about public transit a lot yeah. on this podcast because I think. And a lot of my discussions, and you probably feel the same way, when you talk to people outside of Louisville that come to Louisville, one of the first things that I hear is about how bad the public transit system is in the city of Louisville. Um, it seems to be like one of the most common themes uh, for people that migrate to the yeah, city no, of Louisville. Yeah, no question. And uh, I, I can jump into that course. Uh, I think this, the, the story, just to reset, is that um, red seats from old Cardinal Stadium purchase and kind of rehab seats. I have like four of these in my garage that I need to mess with. <laughs> and then the auction, that was nice. <laughs> it was great. It was cool. Um, so some seats are left over from that auction. They were um, they were painted and, and you know, kind of refinished. They look really nice. They've been put along Bartstown Road. Seems like that's a pilot project. There might be some other opportunities. Uh, just some seating in some of these park stops. Because that's one thing you go to other cities, Chris. You see stops, bus stops downtown and, and in, you know, in, in larger cities. And they always are usually covered or at least have some kind of seating. Yeah. So Louisville not having that has kind of always been uh, poo-pooed upon. You know, they're not making it easy for people who want to to take the bus to do that by not having seating in, in, in almost every stop. I didn't even realize how much of a problem that was for a lot of these tarp stops. I I've yes. honestly never really noticed it until I spoke with a few people about this probably – two or three months ago. Um, so, you know, finding like a cool new use for, for Louisville Cardinal stadium seats, is just a cool story that I thought we'd mention. Cause it, to me, yeah. like, and, and also, you know, them being obviously red helps Tark stop stand out a little bit more. And that's another problem that I've heard from some people is that the Tark stops are not always the easiest find for drivers in commuters. So it's, yeah, cool. it's a win, win, win. It's a, it's an opportunity for visualization. Uh, it allows people like, you know, like we're saying, it tends to be, you know, people who use the TARC honestly tend to be older. They tend to be poor. They tend to be less healthy, unfortunately, because of those those reasons. So offering an opportunity for them to make their lives easier while they're taking the TARC. You know, my experience is taking the TARC, I, I rode the, the bus, uh, you know, throughout college and, and a little bit after uh, going to work and to and from places. And there were a lot of people that could have used these seats, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's a you know, and it's a visual thing. And if it's something that can be spread, hey, it's it's cool. Uh, I I I remember seeing this article posted on the Louisville subreddit, and someone immediately was just like, "Well, there's no cover. People need cover if it's raining and stuff." Like, yeah, okay, let's, let's take this one step at a time. And yeah. if, if we can get people to buy into this little idea, then maybe they'll buy into something else. But you're absolutely right, Chris. I think. Louisville is so dependent on cars and everywhere is. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it'd be I nice mean, I, if, I, if people would be a little more devoted to it. I think it kind of ties in a little bit to, to what we'll talk about with the, with the Highland one park um, yeah. situation. That's, that's arising. I don't know if people have seen the signs um, that have been popping up around oh, I've seen town that. too. I think the, <laughs> by the way, I think the message on those signs is absolutely completely confusing because it is not like, easy to identify exactly what they're speaking about to me like i, I don't know i think they can what, be a it says easier. one park too tall one park too tall yeah to me that could mean a whole it's litany too big of things too tall? maybe it says too big too tall i, I thought it was one park one time exactly we're having this discussion we don't even know what it says so i mean i rest my case but no they the the guy that wrote the the opinion article that we'll we'll reference here in a little bit um 
I'm about to pop up his name real quick because it's escaping me. Tom Owen. Tom Owen, yeah. I guess he was a former councilman in, in Louisville. He was Tempo. a councilman. He's also, if you've ever taken a historical tour at U of L, he does a lot of those. Uh, I he's never a took those. Pretty okay. cool dude. Uh, <laughs> if, if, um, yeah, so. No, he talked a, a little bit about like um, the the whole city feel and and urban infill and, and as a great strategy for like you know to fight climate change and things like that, which is great. Um, and I don't know that that kind of ties into to making tarp routes even shorter for a lot of people and and helping public transit systems. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of connect those two things because that 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 kind of um, was an eye opener to me. But yeah, man, this uh, no, definitely. this situation is all types of interesting for me. I guess you can kind of like kind of give us the back details in this story. But I, I do think there's a lot here to, to talk about. And again, the Highlands is is in the spotlight over this last few months for uh, a lot of different reasons here lately. Yeah. So if you're if you if you're not aware of what we're talking about, this is the the one park uh, the one park, I guess, development project. Uh, it's planned where the, uh, basically where PT, or not PTs, KTs uh, <laughs> used to be, and now is Lemu. Um, sort story. of that area, right, uh, right at the kind of the intersection of of um, of Lexington Road and Grinstead Drive, which is uh, honestly, I grew up in that area, so I'm very, very familiar with it. I'm sure a lot of the people listening are. Um, so. I, I, this this group that's uh, that's opening they want to build this this really nice development and originally it was several towers it was a hotel a ton of luxury apartments and kind of the when i had seen the you know the original plans it was i mean very ambitious like the huge kind of almost you know just as tall as some of the buildings we have downtown and i think um, the, the the people that oppose it now learned that and they stopped listening after that and yes. i think that's part of the so, reason and what i kind of what i kind of learned from people i talked to about it was that this is incredibly common that a developer will put this overly ambitious plan out yeah. there for this type of development and that's not the real plan the real plans maybe a third of it a half of it and no, here's what happened that's exactly what happened is they completely changed the the kind of the layout it's much smaller while still pretty tall looks like it's maybe instead of 20 to 25 you know story towers we're looking at 10 to 15 right? yeah i, I would uh, say probably less than 15 even but yeah yeah less than uh, the very tallest one might reach 15 but the majority of it yeah. is is 7 to 10 floors yeah. just looking at the image of the career journal has uh this rendering uh available from dkn and the whatever um but yeah, so this, so we're talking about it today because they just had a marathon meeting. Well, it's important to note the the developer before submitting this to the Metro Council, they apparently had twelve public meetings for input, listened to neighbors over and over again, and then went ahead and reduced the plans that they had. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of commercial real estate under there, a lot of opportunities for shops and businesses to open up. They even said they're going to implement. Lemu into the plan like it's they're not going to have to really do much to that they're going to kind of build around it which is that's kind of crazy um and nonetheless the nimbys still kind of hate it and uh they it was supposed to put to a vote to the metro council planning committee and uh if you follow top golf you know the story here they've pushed it back and it does seem like some folks are going to fight it tooth and nail and I think what's annoying, Chris, is just you're just hearing kind of the same litany of responses. You're hearing, um, you know, this space would be better used for something else. There's going to be too much traffic. It, they're actually taking surface lots and turning it into something. So it's not like they can even use that argument. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're adding it an acre and a half of green space. Yes, it is. It is definitely a busier area. I'm not going to I mean, I'm not, you know, definitely agree that the traffic thing is I get that, you know, that that makes sense to me. But it does seem like it can take it. And 
this, you know, Tom Owen, who's a very well-respected person in this community. He's an environmentalist. He cares about that kind of stuff. He literally, like, I think he doesn't own a car. He just rides his bike everywhere. And he's in his 60s. Yeah. He's an older gentleman. Um, and then also uh, the late uh, Brandon Clayco, who ran, uh, we've talked about Broken Sidewalks before mm-hmm. on this podcast. He ran that blog that talked about new urbanism and Louisville. He was in support of the project. You know, he was able to see the original design before um, he unfortunately passed from cancer. And he was in heavy support of it, thought it was exactly the type of project that Louisville needed. And those are the types of voices that you're hearing, you know, uh, in support. And you're hearing neighbors, you're hearing people who don't want to be annoyed on their way home from the, you know, from 64 on their way to 64 um, in that kind of general area because it's right there next to 64. Those are those are who's complaining. And so that's why, you know, why I'm annoyed, Chris, because I, you know, I get it. I get, you know, we've talked about Louisville not being Nashville. We've talked about mm-hmm. Louisville not being, not wanting to be um, Charlotte. I, I get how people could be concerned of it. I also think that this is a situation where you can develop an area that doesn't, isn't really gentrifying. This area isn't, you're not taking, you're not pushing people out from this area. If you go, you know, literally a hundred feet from the corner of this development, there's half million dollar homes. Yeah, it's so this is creating housing in an area that's already nice right next to a park. It's you're not displacing people. Yeah, um, I mean, my, my my number one biggest question with this is how affordable is it for people to actually live there? How yeah, affordable is it for people to that are particularly younger people that, you know, work in downtown and live in the suburbs and want to get closer and want to lessen their commute? How affordable will it be for those people to make that move? Because I, I like I, I'm generally with this, but I do get skeptical with some things because I, I do think there's a saturated market beginning to develop for, you know, fancy loft style apartments yeah. in mobile. And I do think there's this whole new age city thing that are, that is pushing millennials to luxurious apartments rather than buying homes because that that's, what's getting developed in these cities. So when I, when I see the argument about reducing carbon footprints and things like that, 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 that Tom makes in this article, that's all great, but you're not really reducing carbon footprint if you're not bringing people from the suburbs to live in this. If you're just bringing them from another part of downtown to live in a, you know, the newest, nicest thing, you're not really doing much because you're, you're just taking people that were already had a short commute and you're just making their, their commute the same. But in general, I mean, this is this is a good thing. I, I'm not trying to to, yeah, yeah. to rain on the parade because I, I love the innovation. I love the idea on the surface. I just think the number one concern for me is is affordability. But yeah, generally speaking, I, I think this is a good idea. Tom Owen is a guy that that's lived in Tyler Park um, for quite a while mm-hmm. and says here since 1978. So he's a guy who has seen the city change. And if he's someone that can be in favor, this is something that uh, that I can support. But I, I do find myself trying to be a little bit more understanding with this, with the opposition on this one more so than I was with like the top golf stuff because I, I do like understand people's skepticism when there's a giant you know uh, complex being built I get that yeah I I, I do I, I especially you know being someone who's who who lives in that area I, I listen I, I I completely get it um I think I, I don't know I I I see two different types of projects. It happening in the city right now um you know i know you've been you've been pretty interested in what's happening at bernheim forest that you know projects like that where they're 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 dealing with things outside the city and they're um you know it's urban expanse that the that that stupid uh highway project you know we need do we need another snyder no but they want to yeah. build one and it sure sounds like they're going to at some point it's probably I, gonna happen. I hear projects like that, and then I I hear projects like this, and I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's way more creative than the alternative. And um, you know, it's the type of thing. It, you know, this is an area that you know there are businesses there, but it's mostly parking lots and kind of a few scattered businesses. 
So I think, I, think, I mean, I, I, th- I think that's one of the, like the, the really cool things that really can't be spoken about much and which I also do find a little bit of humor in because a lot of the people that oppose this live near Cherokee Park. So they obviously enjoy nature and they probably support the park is that this is a really good thing uh, for, you know, tree cover in Louisville. Mm-hmm. That is something that has been well documented that how bad the, the, the tree cover is in the city of Louisville. This is something that adds rooftop gardens it adds lots of green space so that's the part that i can't really like get with those those people that are fully against this i'm like you you want you're gonna be mad about something like this that that's the thing that i think should give people pause to to kind of maybe revisit it and and give it a little bit more of a I, i guess just flat level look um because, yeah, uh, I mean, if, if you don't get creativity in these things, you can either end with one or two things. You can get Nashville where people are literally being forced out of the city. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about people that, you know, making $40,000, $50,000 a year, decent salaries are getting forced out of the city that they that they kind of grew up in. But if you don't, I mean, that's what happens if you don't get creativity. So, I, like, to your point, that's it's good that you're seeing someone come in here and trying to put some innovation in it. Yeah, I, I just, I think, I think I, I get concerned with people when they come and, you know, I, I see people come into the city and, you know, they'll post on some, you know, board I frequent. It's like, oh, I'm new to the city and what can I do? And, it's there's I'm starting to see more and more like kind of, hey, just letting you know, you know, there's little outside input. You know, it's kind of it's kind of the way it is. The, you know, we joke about what high school did you go to being this, you know, and that's the name of our podcast. But I think it's almost we're kind of poking fun at the fact that we do that as a city and we right. we, we stick to these norms and aren't imaginative. So and not to say that this is the most imaginative thing to ever happen. I you know, we've we've joked, we've talked about the Louisville Gardens. That that's where I, you know, that's a, yeah. an imaginative opportunity for the project. Um, but I want to, I, I get that this this can be, you know, you know, this can be scary for some people, and this can be new and can cause some congestion in some areas, and you know, that's fine. But I think we need, at some point, we need to kind of list out to the world, hey, we're open to new opportunities. And I, they say in this, in, in a few of these articles, oh, we want Louisville to see they're open for business. That sounds really corny, but I get it. I, I, I'm kind of on board with that. I want people to be able to understand that exciting and creative things can happen here. And um, that it's not just, you know, we're not just, fo- we're not just focused on, you know, with, with what we have, with, with, yeah. with, with, with holding on to that. And listen, some fun things have come out of what we have. We have an awesome bourbon, you know, tourism thing that's happening. And, you know, this can be adjacent to that. Um, but I just, I think a little bit of new blood, a little bit of exciting, fresh blood. And this is an opportunity for something really cool in, in, in the mean, vicinity is, of downtown too. This is the eternal, like, dance we do in the city of Louisville right. because there's uh, there's also another side of this that that uh, someone's sitting there saying you know it's a it's a freaking one city block in the city of Louisville get over it they're gonna build it just deal with it, it happens in bigger cities all the time yeah. it's fine you know and you guys are talking about it on podcasts for 20 minutes but I, I think it's like I think it's important to be thoughtful about these things because I I do truly truly feel like the next five years of the city of Louisville is a huge turning point yep. for what we want to be because it, it, there was there was such a massive period of growth and it's kind of flatlined now. So so what happens in the next five years is really going to determine a lot. And something you know that may seem, however, big to someone or small to someone, something like this is a great precursor. It's a great metaphor for a larger some things that are larger at play. Um, so you know it, it, it's certainly it's going to be interesting to see two things: how much truly how much fight is put up to this and, and if it is going to turn into another top golf thing where it continues to get kicked and kicked and kicked and we battle about it <laughs> and and or if it, it if people kind of come to an agreement and we see it built and we we see these people kind of live up to what they promise yes i completely agree it'll be it'll be very interesting to see 
um, what happens next. We'll keep on track on track with this. I think they're going to vote later this month. Yeah, uh, they were planning on voting last night, and they didn't, so they had to postpone it to the next meeting. And that's that. I mean, that's the first kick down the line. We just uh, hope we make I, it to that next meeting. We actually get a vote. Uh, I have a feeling, yeah. even if it gets through, it'll be uh, it'll be quite a fight from from some a few of these folks who who want their their corner of land to stay the same it is. Uh, yeah. But nonetheless, let's move forward. Um, Chris, talk about, talk to me about this this minor league market story that you hear. I just found out about this today, and I, I just found it pretty interesting. The Sports Business Daily, I guess, posted – I don't know if it was exactly a survey. I think it was kind of independent data that they came up with over the last four to five years, um, since 2013, that basically – with what's been built there, what's left, and what's been kind of successful through revenue and population and attendance and everything else. Basically, what has been the most successful minor league markets for for cities around America. Um, On this list, there's places like Greenville, South Carolina, Charleston, Mm -hmm. South Carolina, Toledo, Ohio, um, Iowa, Fort Wayne, Indiana. They're all in the top ten. Louisville finds itself number thirteen, um, so it's they're they're saying it's the thirteenth best minor league market. But the the more interesting thing for me was from two thousand thirteen to two thousand nineteen, there were only three cities in America that I, I I've been a little confused on how they're saying this that have had the biggest growth. I I, I think for a minor league market. Um, and I don't know, that was pretty interesting to me that, you know, Louisville's added one franchise in that time. They've added the, obviously, Loose City, and it still managed to, to be on the top five of this list as far as uh, what's basically grown in the last five years. Yeah, it does seem it does seem to be related to kind of the team growth. What I imagine the graph is saying is uh, the bats and deuce are great, and then that kind of, you kind of see, it almost looks like a little U for Pete, you know. Yeah. This is a, a, a verbal a verbal description of a visual thing. Um, uh, so it's like a U and I think where sort of that line happens is when Louisville city comes in. Yeah. It's 2013, yeah. 2019. So I think we're, and then when Louisville city comes in, it kind of shoots up. So I think, yeah, it is interesting. It kind of showcases, um, what's growing, what's not, uh, you know, just the other types of cities. Yeah. I mean, cause like I'm looking at like grand rapids, which is number one and they've got, uh, you know, they've got like four, they have two different, two different like minor league hockey teams, and then a. Uh, it looks like it's the Grand Rapids Drive, who I'm imagining is the is the uh, G League team for the um, for the right. the Pistons. No, I mean it's it's basically just the the thing that was interesting to me. We don't have to have like a large discussion about it because I'm not sure how many talking points there are about it. But despite how bad the Louisville Bats have been, like I I drive past that stadium a lot when they have baseball games going on on the way back home from work. Yeah, and I I see just how empty it is for a lot of the games. Despite all that going on, that uh, Lou City and its success has over has been able to like overcome that and and the 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 minor league market for for the city of Louisville still seems very valuable for a lot of um, other places and it is very valuable according to the numbers uh, compared around the country and it's obviously going to continue going that way we'll bring in uh, other things so yeah yeah. I don't have the stats on it but I want to say this was like one of the more successful years in the past few years for for the bats Um, I feel I, I this is you know, just seeing, I saw some articles that they had some very successful like theme nights and things like that. Um, it, and they're so terrible. That that's what I'm saying. That's like, part of the problem is that they haven't been able to really cat. You know, they're they're not very good. And not that that matters in the minor league, but uh, it it doesn't. They've not been able to kind of have big name prospects like some other teams. Right. Uh, even though a lot of you know the the Reds did seem to have a much better year um, this year yeah. than. Than no, in past, I, but no, but it's yeah, worth. It's, it just, I think it's really interesting, and uh, we've talked a little bit about the NWSL, and and there's not been a whole lot of movement there, but that's another potential, um, you know, increase in, in in that kind of marketplace. Yeah, and I guess just that's kind of what I'm saying is seeing things like this. Um, 
just kind of makes you realize why uh, a place like that would be would find Louisville attractive. I don't think it's any secret to anyone that you know there there are a lot of other reasons, but it is worth pointing out some of the numbers that pop up. Um, and uh, you know, I've I've heard people talk about you know maybe bringing back the hockey league at some point. I know bring that back was, the frogs, man. Yeah, bring back dude. the river frogs. Yeah. Another thing, I I copped. A, a Louisville River Frog jersey from Goodwill, like what a three or four three or four years ago, and I sold that online for a hundred and ten dollars. And I'm kind of like sad because I would love to have you it. But it was a it great. For, you could have gotten three hundred for it now. I guarantee. It was, a, it was a great move by me. I'm not really that mad about it. I still would have liked to rock the Louisville Frogs jersey. Shout out to like, the frogs, man. Shout yeah. out to the frogs. Uh, I, you went to go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. No, no, You're I was going to move forward. So if you have anything else, no, I was just going to say you went to Louisville Live. I did. I wanted uh, to talk about Louisville Live. Glad yeah. you, you read my mind here. Yeah, um, yeah Chris, I went to Louisville Live. Uh, I, I, I'm sure some of the people listening may have followed our. Uh, my kind of travel log there it was it was fun i didn't have like an excellent place to watch it it, but i was kind of i was honestly just shocked at at how many people were showing up yeah and there's been some talk of them moving it i don't i don't i don't really know what to say that that conversation came out of thin air yeah i don't really know what to say about it i i ended up encountering some of the the marketing staff um you know, when I if if people follow me on on Twitter and Instagram, saw my pictures of me and my family on the court, um, and I just talked to some of the people there and said, "Hey, you guys did a hell of a job because every single team in the Louisville Athletics Administration works on that event." Is, is my understanding? The live events team, the television, or, you know, programming team, the mark, the marketing team, the creative, the photographers, literally everyone, and of course, the actual athletic you know teams and their support staffs so it is a huge effort and i don't you know the one thing that the woman told me is there was no court there 24 hours before the the game or the the event and they had to you know produce a court there and then put on an actual event and if you if you know i've dabbled in event uh production just through work and it's just it's so hard so i can't even you know shout out to everyone who was involved with that um, yeah. Chris what is I don't know how much you got to see you know maybe outside some of the pictures you know what do you like the Louisville Live idea do you think it's a good alternative to you know what UK does Big Blue Madness what is what no, is your general I mean, thought I, about it I think it's a great idea because it separates Louisville it gives them something different I think 4th Street Live is the greatest place to have it I think if you put it in a different location you have to call it something different um, and that's just silly to me i think it was really hot that was kind of a bummer this time but it i i couldn't help i took just like one video of just the crowd and it's just an incredibly unique area i don't i I just i can't i you're like putting it in the yum center i just i feel like you lose the luster of it being a part of the city it's a uniquely like city thing if that makes sense you, but you want these things to be a premium. Like you don't, you want people to want tickets. You don't want you want it to feel full. You want it to feel crowded. Exactly. You, You're you not going to get thirty five thousand people to show up to this anytime yeah, it soon. You're just not make going it, to. It doesn't make it as special if you do. I mean, for me, like like I said, you want a scarcity for tickets. Absolutely. Um, you want those things because it makes those type of events premium. But I, I don't know. From TV, I do think there was like a, a few awkward moments. Um, the the dunk contest, the the crowd didn't come around as loud as you know you would think it would be. I think kids they should have just kids were missing dunks, yeah. and that's yeah, which if there's one way to ruin a dunk contest. And people, <laughs> and I, 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 I was having a conversation with a person I was there with. You got to keep in mind that when I got there, I got there at five o'clock and it was already packed. So people yeah. had been there since literally three thirty, and now they're tired and their feet right. hurt. And then yeah. kids are just missing dunks and they're getting bored of it. Yeah, um, I thought it was they. They should have just kept some like music going yeah, during that. It was like, kind of silent. That, that, that is what it is, and that's a learning experience. This is still the second one. I don't blame anyone for that. Um, yeah. I yeah, I completely agree with you that it's just. I, some people kind of scoff at the idea of Louisville being like the city's team to the state, you know, and I just, I think mm-hmm. that, and, and this is something I'm thinking about writing about a little bit, just 
the the administration currently has done a really good job of identifying that of making you know even with something even with something like you know you know, having Ali inspired jerseys, which I, I, I think are solid and I think the best jerseys Zool was ever worn. But I just like stuff like that. It, they're, they're committed to the identity of Louisville, the city. And it, yeah. it's not felt forced. It's felt very natural. And that's hard to I mean, do in marketing. <laughs> and so I think something like this where, you know, if you take it out and you make it like every other event, then it's lame. That's something from a person, you know, far away from it. I feel like that that's always been the case with like the New York Knicks. Like yeah. <laughs> why people like have been so willingly able to to suffer through all that is because they, they've leaned into being the city's team and having so much ownership. For obviously, or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's easy to do in a place like yeah. New York, but that's a really good point and something that I hadn't, you know, given a lot of thought to, but it does seem like this administration has definitely leaned into being the city's team. So yeah, I, I think you should you should totally write about that. Um, we we talked about you know as far as commitment wise, Jay Scrubs still the only guy yeah. committed. And there's um, and depending on who you ask, there he's committed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to to me, it didn't it doesn't really change any of the talking points that we talked right. about um, because. I always thought he was coming to Louisville. Um, I will be a little surprised if he actually puts on a Louisville jersey. I I would say it's if I just put estimates on it, I would say it's fifty fifty. I think you it's know, closer to sixty six. I think it's closer yeah. to two thirds chance at this point. I think the yeah. fact that he committed and he does seem to be helping to commit uh, to helping to get other Has people to come. I, I, there was some. Man. There was some tweets today that he was he was going after some people. So I. Okay. And then also, I also saw a, a, a quote from his dad that it's a for him the NBA is a lottery situation, which yeah. good luck getting a kid who's in JUCO out of lottery. <laughs> no um, so yeah, depending on who you ask, I think I don't know. I, I I'm starting to lean more towards him coming, but it is what it is. <laughs> I, I do want to know it, and I didn't see a whole lot of people talking about this. I had a really good vantage point of the recruits. Uh, Jamin Brakefield, I believe is his name, uh, yeah, was it. the big five-star who kind of came in. Uh, he and uh, a kid from 2021, I think Christian Lander, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. um, they seem very involved. They seem very uh, enthused. And also, Brakefield specifically went to high school or academy with um, Quentin Slinsky. And Quinn was sitting down there with him. Mac, I, it was kind of interesting, just people who didn't watch. Um, Mac almost like wasn't really involved in the event at all. He kind of just sat with the recruits, which I thought was really interesting. No, it, um, it is funny you mentioned that because I saw, I think it was Breakfield. I saw his Instagram story of basically when Mac came out, and it was funny to see that that you know his initial eye contact, Chris Max, was right over to the recruits when he walked through the through the gates, you know, with his son. Um, so I, it's funny that you mentioned like him just kind of chilling with the recruits because I found that interesting too. Yeah, it was like an instantaneous. Like he came out, he gave, he talked to the crowd a little bit for like maybe thirty seconds, and then he was sitting down with the recruits. So it was, mm-hmm. he really, really focused on that, which was, was just really cool. And uh, hopefully that, you know, that bears some fruit. But I think we're, it does sound, even with the Springfield kid, um, that if we don't hear anything for the next few weeks, we're not going to hear something for a few months, which uh, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> um, so any, any last things before we get out of here, Chris? We got Yankees and Twins tomorrow. Um. <laughs> Got any prediction for the Yankees postseason? Uh, World Series, 28 rings soon come. Is it really tomorrow? I thought it was Friday. Is it tomorrow? No, okay. It's no. The, yeah, it's the fourth, yeah. I think. No, it was funny. I realized it was after midnight, and I was looking at my oh, phone and okay. thinking it was okay. Friday for a moment. That's exactly what happened. I had um, Oakland, actually, in the World Series against the Dodgers, so that's not going to happen. Considering that the Dodgers lost tonight, so or the uh, the uh, Oakland lost tonight. Yeah, I'm not. So, yeah. I'm 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 going to Texas tomorrow or today <laughs> uh, to Austin, Texas. And I'm not looking forward to not being able to follow the Yankee game, but I'm also like kind yeah. of looking forward to it because it will hurt my heart. 
uh, just somehow. And it just, it, um, instead of hurting my stomach by watching postseason baseball, I'm going to hurt my stomach by eating a lot of barbecue. By the way, there's no better product. I, I tweeted that there is no better product in sports than postseason baseball when it is at its best. This, this is an extremely game. hot take to drop an hour into our podcast, but I 100% agree with you. The bottom of the eighth of the uh, that of Nationals that game last night was game absolutely incredible. Was the most compelling sports some of the most compelling sports you'll ever see and just like the whole storyline of it no sport the the thing about baseball's pace is that it works so well to its advantage when the when like the 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 odd or when when all of the pressure is on so that Mm -hmm. pace that people are so mad about it just allows you to tell the story of the game so much better in the postseason because you have the relationships between the pitchers and the and and the and the batters and and the and the fielding and and you have like a situation where Josh Hader again for the Brewers was garbage from, like from the second he came in but this dude out in in right field who literally looked like a little league baseball player missing the angle he's the you ghost always, <laughs> you get those standalone shots of those outfitters because there's no one around them and it's just a blank surface and those are the most poetic sad photos in all of sports this dude was like sobbing. a guy out this there dude was sobbing yeah. out there. I mean, a guy out in the infield with his head down, it doesn't, I, it does, it, it's, it's Adam Morrison with his head down to the extreme. Yeah, I, I think, I think the percentage of, of baseball postseason, like, funness is higher than any other sport. I'll, I'll go to bat for that. Even though people hate yeah. baseball, it just, it just works so well on the postseason when it's at its best. If you can get into it, man, it's, oh. I'm so excited. I was so mad the game tonight wasn't very good. (laughs) (laughs) But I think with that, we'll close this out, Chris. As I mentioned, I'll be out. out, So I think we're planning on doing another pod, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Might have a guest. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. We'll we'll announce that as soon as we confirm it. But the first guest in what high school history. Get hyped for that, friends. Uh, All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to the newsletter. We'll have something out by the end of the week on that for sure. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening.